I feel important. All right, so we are live. Ooh, see that, Katie? Welcome to another episode of Drinks and Dogs. I have, first of all, my brother KD, who's on my left side right here, see? Uh, and I have Tyler, other brother of mine, Tyler Falconer from Falco K9. So, Katie, everyone knows you kind of essentially if they're affiliated with Drinks and Dogs. So, we're going to give Tyler the first introduction here. Absolutely. So, Tyler, uh, explain Falco K9 and, you know, pretty much everything that you do. And then we'll kind of break down how we met and talked and everything. Oh, well, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Uh, so, I'm Tyler Falco. <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Boston, Massachusetts. I own a company called Falco K9. Uh, I started off as a military working dog handler. I was in the Navy for four years and uh, got out of the Navy and started working construction. I'm also a firefighter just north of uh, Boston and uh, realized I you know, dealt with this big identity crisis and realized I wasn't a dog guy anymore and, and, and couldn't take it. So I started Falco K9 in South Boston which you might know as uh, Salty. And uh, it's been open for a good month. Next month. Yeah, exactly. Well, I couldn't I tell by your accent. A cop. Yeah. <laughs> Where's Ted at? <laughs> I know, exactly. So, yeah. Nice. So, how's that? So, obviously, like, we've we've been, I can, we finally are going the same kind of circles here uh, with people that we know. Um, but how did, you know, let's say, how did Falco K9 come up, like, come about? Like, I know you said you, you're started, you're a fireman and then you decided like, Hey, like I want to go back into dogs. Like when did it come about? How did it come about and everything like that? Uh, so I like to say that Falco K9 actually started when I was in the military. Uh, oh. my biggest epiphany moment ever. So, uh, before that I was in a small kennel in Fallon, Nevada, I want to say Nevada because people it's fighting words out there yeah. <laughs> uh, so small kennel uh the the people that were senior to me left the kennel immediately and in the military you have to meet a specific set of guidelines and so i was expected to meet these guidelines advance these dogs do all these things but i didn't have knowledge and uh so basically i went down to san diego and i uh, put on a bite suit and this guy sean carter actually had me decoy for a dog Rambo and he showed me how to teach a dog how to counter. And before I just knew how to hold a leash, like uh, the biggest misconception with, you know, dog handlers and dog trainers is dog handlers aren't trainers, right? Like they, they, they know how to handle a dog that is trained. I had this dog that was capable of all these things and I didn't know how the dog got there. And it drove me nuts because I didn't know how to solve these problems. And so I taught a dog how to counter in a bite suit, which as a decoy is like, you know, the basic one-on-one, but I'm coming from the Lackland shuffle. And so I taught the dog that I came back to my kennel. I was King shit. And it was like, okay, cool. Your dog counters, but you have to do all these other things. So I started buying Stu Hilliard DVDs, um, getting in the books and my command actually, like I, I gave them the sob story and they let me travel the, like the West coast. Uh, and basically work with different trainers around the area. And I built my knowledge based on that. So I was actually tasked with training local police departments, dogs. And I was just like this kid, you know, uh, 19 years old with like two years on leash training police department dogs, thinking I was king shit. Uh, 
So I got out, like I said, I wasn't a dog handler anymore. I had this identity crisis and I contacted uh, Roy Casey with Boston PD. Basically said, hey, like I'm dead inside. Uh, can you please just help me? You know, can I decoy for your dogs? And he gave me the opportunity to come out and decoy for some of the Boston dogs. And he uh, came up to me, he's like, why don't you come to my, my seminar? I'm like, okay, cool. So I, I started going to all his seminars learning and learning and then uh you know i just fell in love with decoy and decided to start falco canine and salty and train um pet dogs and still to this day it's like 2016 i was dropping videos on the falco canine instagram and now i look back on them and, and they, they were cringeworthy but i yeah. i make a point not to delete them because it's like okay like this is how far you know i've i've come and now it's 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 amazing like just even still like i look at my building i look at the clientele i look at all these people and i've been so lucky uh to have the clientele that i do now uh you know i've just i've, I've <clears throat> out. It's, it's it's become a community of people that that really rallied around me and and salty and it's it's three square miles uh but just uh it's 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 just so cool to see the emails come in say hey we heard you we heard of you and and, and all this stuff but i'm um, i'm assuming a little bit different of a, a role now as a business owner and uh got 14 employees where i'm not some random dickhead you know just in a field training <laughs> dogs you know now i'm i'm having to manage people and everything he identifies as a manager now yeah. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Dude, that's like the, so, so when you started, you started off obviously in a working dog, but then you transitioned into pet training. Um, did you get any, like when you started your pet training, did you just kind of base it off of your working dog stuff that you learned? Or did you like go to and talk to anybody or work with anybody to learn any like the pet training aspect of it? Uh, so I, there was a, a local guy. Uh, I went to high school with his daughter. I, when I was uh, like, like at the gym, uh, before I, I had left for the Navy, there was a guy, he was the local canine trainer in the area. So about six months before I got out, I talked to my brother, uh, who actually lives in LA now. And I'm like, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting out in six months. And he's like, well, what are you going to do? I'm like, yeah. oh, I, shit, I never thought of that. And, uh, so I contacted this guy, uh, Mike Wagrich. He owns a company called Canine East. And I started, uh, running his bite work for him. Uh, for his local protection dogs, but then I started teaching his obedience class, working with house pets and stuff. So I got to like apprentice under him for a little bit um, for free for uh, probably about two years, and then just decided, hey, I'm going rogue. Nice, nice. And then, so like, can you? I think we've had this discussion before. Like, you know, the ability to you know work pets, but also work like working dogs. Like how, like how much, how integral that is. I feel like, in a, and especially when you deal with like reactive cases or when people call like, you know, aggression cases, like I, I feel like that's like, it helps so much more when you can be on the other end of the bite and teach how to bite properly and then teach obviously not how to bite too. Do you find any correlation with that or like any, um, does it help you at all when it comes to some of the work you do? So it definitely helped me stay relaxed. Uh, in those situations, absolutely, because I, you know, I see it on the other side uh, a thousand times. However, I will say that my approach to those cases were different. 
back then, you know, all I knew was like, hey, you're acting a specific way. Uh, I'm just going to correct it. And so I tell people all the time, right by the kennel, there's a street right off of Dorchester Street. It's called Preble Street. This uh, half golden retriever, half shepherd was reactive. And it was one of my first phone calls from Falco Canine. This woman called me. She was horrified. And she's like, you know, my dog is resource guarding. I'm afraid to leave the house. The dog won't let me leave the house. And so I called her and I'm just like, hey, thanks for your call. I'm here for you anytime. I didn't hear from her for a few days. So then I decided to call her again, follow it up. And they're like, hey, yes, we need you. Uh, the dog was resource guarding just about anything. And I did the classic like Kohler method, crank and yank, take a broomstick while the dog's chewing on a bone and, you know, poke the dog with the broomstick. He'd react and I'd correct him. Um, I think I even alpha rolled the dog. Uh, come around to <laughs> session number five. You know, the dog was obedient, but the dog was still resource guarding. Uh, I was decoying and the girl calls me and she's like, I need you here right now. My husband's on a detail right now. He's a Boston cop and uh, uh, the dog grabbed a Christmas ornament off the tree and started resource guarding the Christmas ornament and wouldn't leave, wouldn't let her leave the house for work. So I, I showed up, did a session, and I'm like, all right, you feel better? She's like, yeah, I feel better. And I'm like, all right, you know, just tell him, like, free time. Release him. She drops the leash. The dog bit me in the ankle, the stomach, the wrist. Everything just transferred all up and down me oh. and smoked me. And I didn't know what to do. I was all, all I knew, my first reaction was, I'll just let you know I'm not going to report this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Probably trained by Bob and Canine. All that transfer. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> he saw that coming. Mm -hmm. oh. Dog gave me liposuction. Hey, free surgery. Uh, yeah. <laughs> grateful. I, I, I it again. Fuck, dude. That's, yeah, that's that's one, that's one thing. Like, I've, I, I'm always like really thankful for like you know the upbringing that i had in dog training and considering it started and you know dealing with like you know rescue or you know dogs and then you know behavioral cases and went into working dog stuff and i have always kind of uh, always wanted to know because i know katie you started predominantly and you started with uh working dog stuff right katie like that where you, you uh, i started in the hood doing per personal protection yeah. Uh, and, and from there went into pets and then got into working and then went back into pets. It's like, that's the difference in like, like, I'm glad I got my start in that way, but even like with the start that you got, Katie, like, do you feel like that was, uh, like that transition or understanding or seeing that at least like that shitty side and the, and the training be beneficial to what you're doing now? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know. And it, 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 we've talked about this before, and I've talked about this with other trainers who started right off the bat with genetically appropriate dogs, and they're missing something. There's, there's an education you get from working the genetically inferior dogs that I started out with, you know, dogs that debatably shouldn't even be participating in the activity but hey i was getting started that's who hired me you know and 
I didn't appreciate it at the time because I had no point of reference. I knew nothing about the principles of behavior. All I knew was this person hired me to get a result with this dog. I had to figure out how to make it happen. Now, looking back 20 some years, I'm so glad I got to do that. Now, I wish I would have had a little bit more knowledge at the time to maximize the results I got. I got results, but that time spent working those band dogs. I mean, all I had was presses, American Bulldogs, band dogs, and pits, right? And those are the ones I actually accepted because I told a lot of people no. Because even then, I knew some of these dogs had no business doing this. That provided such an education that when I finally did get into genetically appropriate dogs, I mean, it was like, whoa, like I can now fine tune things. Like I can work on details. And what I would notice is some of the folks who I was working with, you know, later on who didn't have that experience that I did, who were more experienced with good dogs. I would notice like when they would run into a Malinois that had a problem, I had the ability to be more patient because to me, this problem Malinois is like a star compared to what I was training. Yeah. And this is golden. <laughs> to be able to problem solve some of that stuff, I would, you know, I started to find value in my experiences working those other dogs. That's like one of the um like that's one of the things I'm like the most grateful for when it comes to like the work that you know Primal Canine started and Tyler, you mentioned this earlier is in the beginning, you're not always doing the best work, you know, like it's never going to be that, but it's a reference point in general from where you started to where you are now. So like in the beginning for us, like I would tell clients, I'm like, hey, it's like, um, your dog may not work for what you want it to do, but we can start trying to make them the best they possibly can be for what they're going to do or for like what they can do in general. And like, that was for me, the, one of those like, it's like a paradigm shift as far as like how I understood how to work dogs it was just working dogs that, you know, they may never be personal protection dogs. They never may be sport dogs, but they have an inclination in order and understanding how to do this working stuff. And then you learn how to build them. So when you get, you know, the, the problem Malinois or the, you know, the, you know, now canine units, I'm sure, you know, Tyler, you deal with this stuff, you know, dog people or handlers who are, or dogs who are not necessarily qualified to do the job, you learn how to fix those behaviors by dealing with dogs who are, you know, quote unquote inferior uh, when it comes to the work. But I mean, like that was one of the things I'm, I'm the most grateful for my upbringing and like foundation with is that I started with those and then kind of going from there and this which has helped us, you know, to get to a point where we're at now. Yeah, and, and just to interject on that, uh, you brought up a really good point. Uh, so when I was working for a canine East, instead of like, I went from military working dogs to now house pets trying to do personal protection. And this guy, Mike, you know, he mentored me so well and where I really fell in love with uh, decoying and developing these house pet dogs. And like you said, personal protection. At the end of the day, would they bite? Probably not, but taking them from point A to point B. So it's actually still something that we offer at Falco Canine because it's just like, uh, do you guys listen to Joe Rogan at all? 
Occasionally, yeah. <laughs> you know, when he talks about being a comedian, right? So he'll sell out an arena, but he also still works at the comedy store. Why? Because he wants to keep his skills sharp. So when I decoy for seminars like HRD or any of these things, when I see a problem dog, I fall in love with it because I'm, I'm like me first. I jump at it because I'm like, please let me solve this problem. Uh, my nephew, Jake, uh, has been working with me for the past year. And I'm trying to basically give him the same exact experience that I got as a young decoy. And so basically, I have all these people coming in, working with Jake, and Jake's getting that experience. This is his education, working with really, really shitty dogs and basically developing them. And he's building his confidence. And then, you know, every now and then, you know, like the, the guys will come from the, the local canine units with their dogs and he'll get to play with them and everything like that and be like, okay, now back to square one. And I think that's the most important education you could get as a trainer, as well as a decoy. A hundred percent. And do you feel like, have you, have you participated in any like dog sports or anything like that? No, no. Uh, it was just never something that I was around or just got into. Uh, I did a little bit of helper work with uh, some Schutzen dogs and then I also like like I'll I'll decoy every so often for uh, PSA dogs, but never like trials or anything like that. Uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the sports. Before I was like that, like hell yeah, I'm a working dog guy. Like I used to do this. I used to have this saying like you do dog sports because you don't know how to tell your dad you're gay. Coming <laughs> <laughs> from you, that's great. <laughs> right, I know. <laughs> Navy firefighter, yeah, making jokes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, but uh, you know, in in like uh, in Boston, you know, uh, Boston PD is really tight with this guy Francis Holder, uh, who is the best decoy I've personally ever seen, and is basically their their friends and francis is a sport decoy and 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 troy is a you know he's been in head of uh, the in charge of boston police canine for 27 years and i saw like the power of what can happen when those like forces combine and so that's where i just checked my ego at the door um i think there was a saying by the the head of the oakland chapter of the hell's angels and it was that if police just communicate like we wouldn't exist and it's the same with you know uh you know canine like police canines as well as, as sport like if if we all just join that we'll have the best dog yeah i mean i, I doubt i mean uh did you do any sport katie i think you said no right psa did you do a psa psa back in uh oh jesus 2003 2004 um yeah yeah, I, I, listen, you know, I, I get to say, and it was a great experience, I got to actually trial under Joe Morris, rest in peace. Uh, you know, I mean, Joe, I mean, what can you say? Those who those who had the privilege of knowing Joe Morris and let alone getting a trial under him. Uh, yeah, back in the day, back in the golden days. Uh, I was going to uh, get, you know, my first... It, introduction to sport was when I lived in Jacksonville, the first folks to actually put me in a bike suit um, was the River City Ring Association. And they had they were doing uh, 
shout out to Jay Murphy and Scott Wiggum. And, you know, the first suit, suit bite I took, you know, a PH1 off the boat, you know, his name was Tonka. It was like, just here, put the suit on, take the bite, you know. And they were competing in ASR at the time, which was a localized Florida American street ring. Uh, it never took off. It flopped. Um, and then from there, when I got to Tampa, it was uh, Gator, the Gator Ring Association, and it was a it was a PSA club. And so I, that's when I started trying, you know, trying to learn how to decoy. There were a couple of PSA one, PSA two dogs that we had at that club that I would decoy for um, back when was young and didn't give a shit and threw my body threw caution to the wind. Um, and then I stepped on the field a little bit and I haven't done anything since. That's, um, so it's funny because I talked to, or, you know, as far as like origination of sports, like I talked to Ty Nero, who's, you know, eventually going to be on here. Uh, and like Ty was saying, like, he's like, uh, I guess the lady, the lady Mo, I don't know her last name, but she's in Florida. She's the one that created a lot of the APPDA stuff that you know ty came from psa doing you know what he's done with that i don't know how the fuck he got a psa3 on a Conor corso but uh he did it and you know he they brought in you know appda uh have you guys had any experience with that sport at all i haven't outside of just my you know watching matt rogers and and his journey through it he's very involved and i follow him pretty closely uh i like what he does and that's pretty much how I found out about APBDA um, was through Matt and his work with his dogs. Uh, the KD and myself actually have uh, a mutual acquaintance um, who is a breeder down in DC. Uh, so he came to me, he was living in Boston. He was going to Harvard for a little while. He had a Neapolitan Corso cross, uh, and it was the first time I never like fight work with a uh, with with. So uh, in this first, like anyone who's watching this, this is live. It's not recorded. Tyler's trying to talk, um, and Katie over here mm -hmm. is uh, making <laughs> making faces. So this means that this is very interesting. So Roman and G, make sure you chop this whole part out and save it for later. Tyler, sorry for interrupting you, sir. I'm just leave, my <laughs> leave me the fuck alone. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm for sure, because no one here knows the fucking KD struggle here. To, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> And then the yeah. fucking vein just like that. Like. <laughs> so uh, basically, he had this massive cross that wouldn't bite the left bicep or any bicep or anything uh, for that matter. But his goal was the bicep. So I got introduced to APBDA because that was his goal. Um, so I had to problem solve getting this dog to bite me uh, in the bicep. So we got him comfortable. And I'm a big environmental bite work guy. Uh, so like a year and a half, finally got this dog biting me in different situations and scenarios. But the second I brought out a fucking bat, it was game over. But... But damn it, he could, <laughs> he, he could bite me in some weird situations. Just but, you know, but listen, those are the dogs, you know, those that's that kind of goes back to like 10 minutes ago. When we were just talking about like where we started and the value of those experiences. Working those dogs is where you learn a fuck ton. Working, yep. especially the Mossers, man. Because you have to be able to understand 
you know, hey, always know what does the dog want to get and what does the dog want to avoid? The two questions that every dog from pet to police to military, what, what does he want? What does he want to get rid of or get away from? Like when you work with the Molossers, like you have to be on it because they're, they're different. And you will learn so much from those experiences to get some of those dogs to perform. Yeah, and I actually have a uh, uh, funny. So when I first got my facility, I invited everybody, and it was a bare bones facility at the time. Uh, I invited everybody there to bite work, and and I was making some major headway with this dog. And so my facility is two floors, but they're wooden wooden stairs going down to the basement. So I put a hurdle in front of the door going downstairs, right? So I agitated him, I ran, hopped over the hurdle, went down the stairs and the dog was gonna bite me in a in an area where he's never been before, which is my basement. So dog jumps over the hurdle, he runs down the stairs, but this dude had a knot in his leash. So oh. the wooden stairs and the railing, the knot gets caught there and just smokes himself on the first <laughs> and just destroyed any bit of progress that we made and i was like all right back to square one now i, I did that with uh my dog bear who's probably on this wall and tattooed on my hand uh and it's funny see the wooden floor so we started in a we start well started in a, a, a kennel but then we went to a place called i called the cave which is just like giant tin shit can of a building that we just literally dolled up as much as we could but i would i sent him up into the office that we created which is the second you know story thing and it wasn't the knot it was like a it like it's like you know like you know some leashes are a little bit thicker so he slid it with between the stair steps and even bear is being as sensitive as he was like he just caught that was like nope ain't <laughs> like nope not going up there like that is not it's not going to happen but like that, we started, you know, d dealing with, you know, those different, the off breeds is what I call them. But everything that we teach, like all of our, you know, all my clients or like, you know, let's say my apprentices, you know, when they're working with the dogs and like, it was like every single dog has its own specific, you know, learning style. You just have to learn with them and build with them, especially in the bite work, because and that's one of the more sensitive times for them, even though they're, they're biting. Why are they biting? You know, what? You know why are they biting are they biting out of fear are they biting out of forward aggression are they biting because they want to bite like why are they biting how are we conditioning the bite what are they biting with how much force and pressure because you know i'm sure you know you guys can know like you know when a dog bites with the front part and pulls back what are they thinking whereas they bite with the full mouth and are the back molars and they push forward you know what are they thinking what's the thought process so it's always all my guys we're all top pink compliance no matter which breeds just understanding how to manipulate those sections of a dog's mouth and understanding just the different drives in general you know per that individual dog not necessarily the breed just understanding that is you know very important but you know that's why you know again like i'm just really grateful for the fact that i was able to learn from the dogs i did learn from because that's what taught me everything and i went from you know you know pits and you know quote unquote the hood stuff to you know shoots in one of the most and at the the club i was in uh with david de and terry macias and all these guys and Carol and everyone like that, you know, the highest level shits in people and what they viewed as biting and then going into, you know, personal protection, law enforcement and some military stuff. Like it was, it was just different. And, you know, combining all those together and learning those things in general and teaching my guys, that's been probably one of the best parts. So that's why we have such a variety of dogs that we work with. But I mean, I, it's always for me, it's always been, all right, 
teach them how to use the full mouth and use paint compliance and work with them in the best individual way. I'm going to drop something on you guys. Oh, go ahead, Tyler. No, I just I think Katie had one of the best quotes on Instagram live when he described working those dogs. And he was like, it's game, you know, you have to be so strategic in how you work those dogs, because especially some of the Mastiff crosses, if you step on their toenail, you even make that one mistake, it's done. Yep. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, I feel like it's almost like those dogs, you have to like pr provide a pamphlet. Be like, this is what we're going to do to you today. <laughs> the second you bring out one other thing and you're like, but. Dude, I. <laughs> That so before we, before we continue on, and I hope I hope she's not on here. Um, if she is, I'm sorry, Tequila. Um, but it's a dog that I worked at Dogo. So you said Mastiff. So dog's been working in another facility, and the work wasn't necessarily going as great. But I was using a sleeve going back this way, and I immediately went back, took my arm back this way with the whip, snapped down, and all of a sudden, boom, session over. But it was you know our team Mastiff. It was like, oh, hard work. This is it. And it's immediately from that point, we just bar, 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 backing out. And the dog wasn't there. So we had to recondition, you know, what her association was with everything. But, you know, it's like you guys said, it's, it's it's very, you know, with the massive breeds and everything like that, you have to be understanding of what, you know, they, they understand or what they're viewing. And you'll view the dog as you're working and not work through a system of like, all right, cool, we're doing this this month, doing this this month, doing this, 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 and this, and all that other stuff. So it's interesting that this conversation, because today I have in my, I have a Facebook group that I run and, you know, one of the members asked a question and it elicited from me a quote that I've said many times and I had to get into it in detail again. And it's so appropriate to what you're talking about right now. And that is all dogs are different and all dogs are the same. And if someone can't get that, then they're not there yet. You know, it, it's almost, it's like that quote from the training day when Ethan Hawke says something like, you got to hide your smiles and cries and like no one can understand what he means by the quote, you know. It's like yeah. all dogs are different and all dogs are the same. And what had happened, freaking pussy, um, you know, someone had asked a question about, you know, well, do different types of dogs, you know, do you have to use different types of training? And I'm like, well, first off, there's no different types of training. Everyone wants to put a label on types of training. There are no different types of training. Training is training. Behavior is fucking behavior. All right. Like, stop trying to label shit. Now, are there ideologies? Yes. That doesn't make it a type of training. The dog is either learning by association or it's learning by consequence. Those aren't types. All dogs are different and all dogs are the same. All dogs are different because they bring to the table different instincts. They bring to the table different motivations. You know, if we're talking about a Malinois or if we're talking about a Neapolitan Mastiff, those two dogs are biting for very different reasons. They want to achieve, they want to get different things and they want to get rid of different things. So that's where dogs are different. All dogs are the same because they are all learning by way of association and they are all learning as a result of their consequences. So I don't care what kind of fucking dog it is. If I want to increase the behavior, I'm going to reinforce it. 
If I want to decrease a behavior, I'm going to fucking punish it. Now, yep. what the reinforcer is depends on the dog because the dogs are different. What the punisher is is different because all you know all dogs are different. But I'm still using the same universal principles of behavior. And when people finally get their heads out of this method, 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 and they back the fuck up and they start looking at principles that go never mind individual dogs, never mind bloodlines, never mind breeds, never mind species of animal, all thinking organisms learn by way of association and by way of consequence. When you can finally start embracing the principles of behavior, you can adapt, man. You can you can yep. you can do what you need to do. Mastiff, Malinois, it doesn't matter. Oh, this dog is biting because he wants me to go away. Oh, this dog is biting because he likes to bite. I can back up on this dog and that's a reinforcer. I can back up on that dog and that's a punisher. All dogs are different and all dogs are the fucking same. And and that reminds me and, and Mike, you'll you'll resonate with this, right? Like so if you're working a finished dog on the table and the dog might be pulling a little bit or whatever, and you don't want the dog to pull, that dog that is a tried and true dog, you know, you could take the leash and be like, hey, fuck off. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> like hey, stop pulling. But if you do that on one of those house pets that you're trying to teach in protection, they're gonna be like, <laughs> like, what the fuck? Like, yeah, they're gonna be like, sorry. Yeah, that's like the one of the. Uh, it, so I use like I don't use that term, but I use the term of like you know, it's like obviously like people we have different learning styles. Some people re resonate with different learning styles of how to like you know do this better or not do this. But like similar, it's like well, you're tired, like. You know, and for people who don't understand, like, you know, you know, tried and true, you know, working dogs, like when you can leash pressure a dog into that, into that bite and they're going to bite and you release and they do that stuff. That's, that's, those are dogs that are, can, can do the work. Um, but there's many dogs that can't do that work. There's many dogs that, like you said, Tyler's like, as soon as you bang, you know, they're gone and like, oh shit. Like, <laughs> but that's also based on the associated association of what's going on and also the genetics and everything that we're doing. But I mean. I mean, for the most part, yeah, I mean, it's all dogs are different. All dogs are the same. The same thing is like, you know, people have different learning styles. You know, everyone learns differently, and but we're all humans. So and, and and it's all adapting and learning. And that's why decoying itself or, or, or teaching somebody to be a trainer is such a difficult task because you can't teach instinct. There's no encyclopedia and be like, this dog does this, then you do this. And that's where those people like fall in the cracks because like they, they could very easily ruin a dog by doing something they did on another dog. So basically teaching that instinct is so, so, so important. Because they're all fucking mimicking. They're mimicking the movements. Oh, I saw someone else go, oh, oh, oh. You know, if I see one you more person. You the claw. You didn't even do the claw on the camera. If I see one more person do this, oh. Oh, oh. Over the top. you got it over the top, Katie. It's this one. No, <laughs> no, the, that makes sense. These people do this under, they, they all look like they watch the same fucking instructional DVD. I do this tap. <laughs> it's like you scroll through Instagram. Every fucking guy who went on fucking Amazon and bought a bite suit is, 
Uh, do you even know why you're doing what you're doing? No, you're doing the color by numbers fucking shit. Do you the vain thing I was talking about, Tyler? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The, the trademark KD vein through the net. That's mm-hmm. a- <laughs> There's a clip. There's a clip. Fucking edit that shit. Yeah. <laughs> G, Roman, do you know what to do? Right over here. <laughs> The Vein Chronicles. Looks like the a Vein Chronicles. <laughs> looks like a damn oh. Biden election fucking commercial. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. God. So, anyways, uh, my my decoy experience helped me get over those reactive dogs. Uh, to answer your question, twenty minutes back ago. on track. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, uh, how do you or how do you? So, I will start with this question: How did you and Katie meet? Oh. Or uh, end up talking to each other. <laughs> KD. Don't put the pressure on me because I don't remember. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so basically, I came across KD first through the Working Dog Radio podcast. Uh, I had been uh, assembling uh, a little uh, piece of furniture that I bought on Wayfair, and I was listening to it, and I really resonated with me what he was saying. Um, and then, uh, I heard him on another podcast, uh, from another guy that we know in upstate New York. Um, and I really liked the things that he had. Shout out to Tom Davis. Quit yeah. the subtlety. Tom, I love your new Tom hair. Tom motherfucking Davis. Everybody upstate can I? It is what it is. Yeah. And, uh. Don't you like know, your hair choices, but we're, we got yeah. you. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I, I just <laughs> Oh, I thought you were going to go blonde hair. I was like, please, no resonating with it I, I followed katie on instagram started commenting on his lives and then katie actually joined in on one of my lives that we had uh that i had with someone and and finally just said fuck it be like hey how about you and i go live uh we had we had a few we actually and and so still to this day i have never talked to a grown man on the phone longer than i have katie i think i think it was three hours and 46 minutes after the pod, that was after we were live. We got on the phone yeah. and tried. Yeah, like we talked about dogs. Yeah, for fucking hours. Three hours, forty-six minutes. I was drinking. I was wasted by the end of it. I woke up, checked my recent call log. Like, oh my god! And uh, and then him and I actually, uh, you know, he he talked to me about uh, a friend of his, uh, Master Chin. And uh, Master Jim basically runs this um, a group for uh, dog owners, uh, dog business owners. And uh, basically, he sent me a 19-minute YouTube video. It's still up, correct, KD? Yeah, it is. Uh, why dog trainers are the worst business owners. But it's, it's funny because all of business ownership is basically dog training. All the principles that we follow with dogs are the exact same as business ownership. And so I joined this group. Uh, we meet once a month. And uh, quarterly, we, we ended up meeting uh, in the Bronx at, at uh, Master Chin's uh, MMA gym in the Bronx, New York. And that's when we finally met in person and had a warm embrace. He had an amazing flannel on, I got to say. Did it well. And uh, yeah, it was, it was a good hug. 
And uh, so Master Jim follows the Wim Hof method. Are you familiar with that, Mike? Absolutely no. It's a breathing technique when you're cold as fuck. Oh, the the dude, uh, the I fucking know what you're talking about. It's the breathing technique that like, like he can beat, he like he beats every sickness, every all like yeah, like that through that yeah. way. Yeah, I know that one. I just didn't know that was the name of it. Yeah. So we finished our ten hour workshop in the Bronx in New York in February. It was only ten hours. It felt a lot longer than that. I think it was a lot longer, but he says it's ten hours, so that's what I'm running off. And uh, we got in in this dude's car. And it was cold as fuck. The AC was on. We were in the back seat shivering. We were just looking at each other. Like, it was Honda Element. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that I mean, that was that was when we first met. I mean, we got to talk shop and, and everything like that. And uh, I've been a huge KD supporter, you know, ever since ever since then. Bada boom, bada bang. You know, and you know, you bring that up, Tyler, and it's like it's fascinating to me. And you guys will understand this. Like in the dog world, you know, all three of us own businesses. When the fuck did it become a badge of honor to be bad at business? And and, and what I mean is, I, you know, you'll hear certain people in the dog world shit on other people in the dog world because they actually have a marketing plan they know how to run their business they're organized they present themselves professionally they have a team like you know and, and this is the thing like in the world of dog training the industry so many people struggle they might be great with dogs they might be great with dog owners but the amount of stress that they are experiencing in their business trying to manage their personal life, trying to manage their financial life. When are they getting the next board and train? When are they getting the next call coming in? But it's like, I, I've spoken to people behind the scenes, you know, because they know, like, I'm not going to say anything. And they're like, listen, I want to get better at running my business, but I don't want to ask for help because so many other people in the dog industry are like, you want to learn about marketing? You need to work, learn about dogs. And it's like, listen, folks, what other industry exists where People will shit on you for wanting to get better at being a business owner. And that's what this mastermind that Tyler and I are in, you know, we're not even allowed to talk about dog training. That's actually like one of the protocols of our group. You are not allowed to talk about met dog training methods or, well, I use this collar. No, 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 no. That's not why we're there. We're there so we can become more powerful and more proficient as business owners which inevitably allows us to focus more time on being better with dogs and being better with dog owners because we're able to pay our fucking bills. We're able to be successful in our businesses, which only allows for more time to go to another seminar about dog training or, or work with another person or be more proficient in your ability to provide that service. When did it be, when, did, when was it a badge of honor to suck at business? I, I don't get it. Yeah, and I mean, I, I see these guys posting on their Instagram stories like 4 a.m. I'm bathing dogs. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> I'm like, fuck that. Now, I'm 27, and I'm saying, fuck that. Um, and, and the biggest part of that 
you know, aside, it, I mean, in mass gym, like he, the, the canine kindred, he has a saying, like, what is a God, what is a good dog trainer? Right. And, and us who are in the industry, we're like, Oh, somebody who knows the con the concepts of this, this, and this, he's like, no, it's, it's someone who, who pays you money for a specific task to train their dog. And they're happy at the end. Now, whether they're, compulsive balance trainers are purely positive there's people that are happy on all ends of the spectrum they're happy and that's the business sense of it and you know for me that program has personally been life-changing because i can now deal with the stress that i deal with now that had i not been in this program i would be fucked like 100 percent uh, I'm a, like, I'm like right now I work on my emotions. Like I'm a guy, like you piss me off. I'm just gonna like, just tell you, like, you're going to know I'm going to react. Um, but now I have the ability to basically take a step back, look at everything as a whole. Like I manage 14 people. That's 14 individual personalities. Uh, and now I'm able to just walk in calm look at everything as a whole and make the best appropriate decision for the specific task versus emotionally reacting. And that's what I feel dog trainers are just lacking. Um, so it's been life changing. My sales have skyrocketed ever since I've, you know, made those changes and I'm, this is not a point. It's 100% uh, huge. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we get a, a wide variety of listeners here, you know, on the program, uh, drinks and dogs, but like seriously, guys, if you're watching and you are in, you have your own dog training business, like don't be ashamed to want to be more successful. As long as you're, you know, you're doing your ethics on the side, you, you're you're being ethical in your principles and your mission as a business. It's okay to want to be better at doing your ethical mission for servicing dog owners and dogs. And it's okay to ask for help for that. And, you know, and for anybody who wants to actually be better at that, I mean, whether you know me, whether you know Tyler, freaking shoot us a mess message on social media and, and we'll get you sorted out with that. Because it, like Tyler said, it's life changing. Since I got in that group, it's, it's, it has changed my personal life because of the way I manage my professional life. It, you know, never mind the, the revenue, never mind the income, but how I manage my business as a, as a person and balance my personal life and all that, like that whole grinding, like Tyler said, oh, I'm washing dogs at 4 a.m. Like everyone brags about grinding. Really? Like you're bragging about not spending time with your wife, your kids, your, your family. Like that's not bragging. How about bringing in enough revenue and managing it appropriately enough to spend time doing the things that you value, whether it's family, whether it's camping whether it's getting shit faced like whatever floats your fucking boat you're not successful if you don't get to do that stuff and and we're you know we're always looking for good people to join first time ever we lost kd yeah and and just to sort of add to you know oh it looks like he's stuck yeah. And just to sort of add to Katie's point, like this doesn't only help you from a business standpoint, like uh, it also helps you from a personal standpoint. Katie and myself have personally used his surface uh, services for personal things. 
KD doesn't know mine. I don't know his. So it's not like this open support group. Uh, the the business model itself is pressure through power, right? Taking that stress, especially COVID-19, myself and KD were in contact. We were all in contact being like, hey, like my, I was in jeopardy, you know, like I have all these employees, everybody was in the same boat. Like I, I crushed it through COVID-19. Everyone else shut down. I fucking got way better through COVID-19 and KD was one of my support systems, but that's what I got through that group. And tomorrow, like I'm drinking right now with you guys tomorrow, I have a 31 mile ruck march in Washington, DC. So I'm throwing on a 40 pound rucksack and I'm rucking 41 miles. Why? Because it's fucking improvement. It's not movement, it's improvement. Like I'm putting myself in a stressful situation and and I'm climbing the rung of the ladder. And that's something that he helps me with and KD with and everything like that. But you become a better business owner and then through that, you're able to become better personally. Uh, My girlfriend, like master... you know, his name is Justin Garcia. We call him Master Chim, nickname MC. I'll say these things because, like, my girlfriend's moving in with me right now. And, you know, oh. right? And uh, she's like, oh, you know, I, I eventually want to get couches and rugs, and this is what I like. So I put all these things on a spreadsheet. I'm like, here you go. You want me to buy it right now? And she's like, whoa, take it easy. And I'm just like, no, no, I'm a fucking crusher, you know? you Like, I'm... I'm going to get this done right away. She's like, whoa, yeah, pump the brakes, MC, you know? But it just just makes you want to just tackle, you know, every task in life. And you could be the person that I was, that all these people are, washing dogs at 4 a.m., working 18-hour days. I was full-on blown, like borderline alcoholic, Um, you know, going through the worst time of my life. Started working with this program, developing these systems, creating these formulas, creating relationships with these stressors, being like, okay, I have this issue. I could be a psychopath. I could, you know, push my employees and be like, get the fuck out. Or I could solve it and just be like a, a, a brain ninja. That's awesome. That's what I, li- I like. I like systems like that just in general mm-hmm. for people to learn how to do those things like the the pressure through power thing is like one of the or I've, I've never talked so for anyone who's watched this this is not an infomercial for anybody like that i literally have not talked to this person katie has hit me up um wants to talk to them and i've as most people who watch you know any primal hand stuff literally running through the shit show which is my schedule so i have not talked to that person but even I, more reason to reach out to them <laughs> yeah, and, I, and i do fully agree with it i mean like for me like i I've consistently learned to learn through pain and learn through pressure and learn through that continuing to build. I mean, that's why that's even like how I built my decoy system, especially when it comes to groundwork is, you know, teaching the dogs the same thing. You know, how much do you learn through the pressure that you're getting? How much you learn how to, uh, you know, go through or go through it. I mean, even now, like I'll even, you know, given in personal detail, like I have a, I have a six year old daughter. Uh, and at this at this moment now, it's the longest time I've been away from her. For this is probably anyone seen me on social media. I haven't been active because I haven't seen her in ten days, and that's killing me. Because you know, whatever my ex-wife and whatever she's doing with that, like I don't I don't get to be with my kid. But learning to be better through that process is even better for that. So like you know, it's just continuous grind on like understanding how to get better through those things. For me at least, that's how I've done. I have not talked to like your guys, you know your uh, your guys's. Um, 
the what's his name, Master Jam? MC. Well, it's no coincidence because I mean, you know, he's black belt in jujitsu, did MMA, runs schools. Like, there's a lot of similar threads here between the three of us. Nice. Has it, yeah. Tyler? Have you done MMA at all, or any? Uh, uh, I, I, I uh, boxed. That's my. Uh, that's my. That's how, That's my heart. Boxing. <laughs> and okay. then obviously. Katie, you do jujitsu? No, I like to get sweaty and roll around with grown men. Aggressive cuddling. That's Aggressive cuddle with a struggle, baby. Cuddle with a struggle. Oh, you want to? You want to go to sleep? Mm. Right. <laughs> I do that after hours. I box and then I get cuddly with grown men. I, I've seen your pictures with uh, Sean. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's my work husband. Sean, oh, yeah. shout out to Sean Hagdo. What's All that? Right, so let's talk about some of the affiliations. So you're you're with uh, HRD. So what? Tell me how HRD is. Uh, HRD. HRD oh. is awesome. <laughs> so, <laughs> um, I decoyed for the New England Street Tactics Seminar. Uh, when I was doing that, uh, HRD was in its infancy. I got to hang with Ted. Uh, Summers, Eric Stambro, and I was basically decoying in the vicinity of them. Uh, I saw this come to light and talked to Ray Murphy, the owner, and they gave me the opportunity. They invited me to come decoy for them in uh, Philly uh, for their HID seminar. I fell in love with the program. I mean, their mission is the exact same as mine. Uh, I'm a big scenario-based training guy. Uh, I'm not like very rarely will you see me in a field an open field training dogs like I'm I'm trying to be in the cut making dogs better in those situations um, and so after my first one I was hooked and basically started traveling to almost every single one that they offered uh, luckily uh, and this is what I actually wanted to bring up you know during this is uh, luckily they came out with the decoy seminar uh, which has actually been pretty awesome. And uh, I just got made lead instructor for the HRD uh, decoy camp. And so you and I are very similar. We, uh, we, uh, ex like, we are all about ground fighting. And I think that's something that a lot of people pass or don't focus on. Like me, I'm all about how once the dog is ready, like I can't wait to be on the ground with this dog because at the end of the day, dogs get by on physical stature i want to look at that dog's heart i want to try to change myself hormonally i want to look at him like i want to feel that hate and i want to i want to battle that dog and uh when i was in tulsa oklahoma at torchlight canine teaching the decoy camp down there i ran the ground fighting portion of it and so i told the whole crowd like hey you need to follow this guy i'm like everybody pull out your phones follow primal canine right oh, now. <laughs> thank you follow and so as i'm doing it uh travis lax who's one of the students there at, at torchlight canine comes in late in the game and he's like hey do you guys follow primal canine and they're like yeah he just he does do that so um you know that's something that you and i are, are very similar on uh i i mean i love the hrd everybody there is awesome you know we all want to we all want to you know work hard play hard just live that rock star lifestyle uh, you know, just, just through working dogs. Yeah. You know, we don't want the cattiness of the canine industry. Everybody has a reputation. 
in the canine industry and we want to be the people like, Hey, you want to come work with us? Cool. Awesome. Like, come on in. We're going to have a blast and we're going to work dogs our way and, and we're going to keep an open mind and we're going to show you our way. And we want to show you how dogs improve in this way. And we've had a, a lot of success, man. Yeah. I can't like, I can't even, I, I always, you know, for the most, like, I, I always send people to, especially with now HRD doing seminars again, mm -hmm. I always send people to them. Like you want to learn, you know, from real, like, you know, the real dog stuff, like you want to, you want to learn from real dogs. Like mm -hmm. this is where you go. You know, you talk to the, you talk to these people who are actually out on the street doing what they're doing and they're going out, you know, going out there. So, you know, a huge shout out to HRD. Um, you know, we've had Ted and Eric, but going into like the ground game and like, this is something that I'm, we're going to be doing here more. So, and like, I want to kind of hear your opinion on this. So like my favorite thing is, you know, cause I, 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 I just come up from combat sports and everything like that. So like when I'm, you know, working a dog and they're in the bicep and like my favorite thing is like when I turn around and I switch their hips and like I kind of roll them and I'm in front of them in this way and I see like the questioning period in their mind and I'm like, oh, you're thinking about fucking getting the fuck out of here. But like, let's see what we can do and learning the technique to, oh, you won, boom, bang. And then we're back out here. Now we're rolling yep. over. So teaching them that they can overcome. For me, that's one of the that's one of the most gratifying experiences for me to teach these dogs how to roll out of certain things or how to like combat somebody that because I mean, even though it's technique, I still feel at that part you're putting the dog in the what quote unquote. Oh, there we go. What is it? Candy IPA from you know, <laughs> shout out to Mario. Shout out to Mario. I don't know who that person is, but shout out to you, sir. Um, but you know, that's one of the more gratifying experiences to me is when they understand how to do that. We did a. And I know you did the, the Barcroft, the big dog series too, but I was like, they, they totally labeled it as like, you know, jujitsu was like, it's not jujitsu. It was just teaching them how to fight out of specific positions because on their back, as you're on top of them and you're looking at them in the face, that is the alpha rule. Yeah. Which for other people, for other dog trainers, that is a form of submission, but you're teaching yeah. them how to not submit. You're teaching them how to overcome that and showing them in the deep water work like oh hey like i'm fucking working still boom and then they understand how to overcome those things and yes you know, the same thing it's just like what you guys were talking about before with like you know the guy that you're working with you know it's understanding how to deal with pressure and yeah, overcome and, pressure and and like any <laughs> like as a decoy uh, I, I, have you ever heard of like Franco and Angelini, the the canine bite doctor? Yeah, 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 Franco. Uh, so his seminar uh, is basically like teaching you how to feel safe, and so he actually gets into the ground game a little bit, teaching people like, hey, how to feel safe when you're doing that, and that's such a unique characteristic of any decoy seminar I've been a part of. So like I say, like any swinging dick can basically catch a dog on a sleeve and make it counter. But when you're in that skill set of being able to ground fight a dog, being able to mark properly, like one of the biggest things that attract, uh, I'm not going to say attracted me to you, but where you, you really- say that you're attracted to Let it go. Let it go. When I realized you were a beautiful man was when you had that dog on your back prior to the Barcroft, you know, video, <laughs> you had the dog on your back, he countered and then you rolled. And I'm like, oh, I'm so fucking sold on this guy. Um, you know, like to me, that's when decoying becomes the art. 
and it becomes an art form. Um, I think it's so, so, so important. Uh, in HRD, we have a scenario called the island where we wear like an ALM hidden sleeve. You know, the... Uh, By the way, I'm dying to get a part of that. Like, I need, I need yeah. to get a part of that somehow. I yeah. will pay my own way out to get to somewhere. Alicia, Ted, Ray, if you guys are listening to this, yeah, please. All right, a player. I'm ready to go. <laughs> please, please do. I mean, so, uh, you know, dog bites you on the arm, the handler's on his back, and it's basically just fighting the, the guy. Um, it gets pretty intense. I mean, like, I have black eyes, bloody nose, bloody lip, fat lip, like, you name it, I get it. Um, but the thing is, is, is what we do is we put pressure on the cops. They're surrounded by their peers. The Boston Canine HRD had 30 people in it. So here's, you know, KD, who's a cop, and he has his dog. He's biting me in the arm. Now, KD has to fight me on top of him uh, in front of 29 of his peers. And that's that's pressure, too. But everybody's nervous at first to do it. And then all of a sudden, we ran through, you know, like everybody. My neck was fucking killing me. It was only like me and one other guy. We were wrestling everyone. Um, but it's just so, so, so important. And everything that we do with HRD, it's based off of real calls. Uh, a lot of them has to do with Ted's training group, you know, in, in Tulsa. Um, that specific island scenario was predicated off of a, a call that a dog named Sugar Bear had. And Chad was on his back. Sugar Bear was over him, biting somebody over him. And, you know, any other dog that's never seen that before may bite the handler. And that's what yep. a lot of people don't understand is like, hey, you're getting the shit kicked out of you. Your dog may bite you. Like, we're still dealing yep. with pack animals here. Because you're more, you're the more frantic person too on the bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, hey, this this dude's pretty scary. A little bit easier to bite dad. Yeah, easy prey. So yeah. do you? So before, or actually, before we switch on, the next thing is like, do you get to put any more pressure on the officer or the person that you're underneath? Because that's the one thing that I was, I've been teaching like a lot of my guys is that you know it you know we we apply I apply pressure and like for me like I fight so like I understand how to to manipulate certain things but like i apply pressure like you're gonna have to get the fuck up like, yeah that's absolutely. not like <laughs> absolutely i mean ultimately it's a training exercise yeah however like make it fucking last like make them work for it don't just okay. be like oh yeah like no like do it but don't rape him in front of his peers you know like maybe after a minute start giving some headway because at the end of the day the training is all about the dogs not yep. the but you know one you know maybe that guy needs to be more physically fit maybe that guy needs to be more well versed in combat sports but you know luckily his dog stayed on the bite um you know we have safety officers everything like that there's somebody applying pressure on the leash so if the dog does you know come off the bite we'll pull back or uh, if you're wrestling and the dog's neck is compromised, that's also something that we, we you know, identify yeah. like, hey, you know, reset or something like that. But, yeah, man, I mean, it's it's a pretty intense drill. Um, usually there's, like, a really shitty mat or no mat at all, and it's just basically, like, welcome to the Thunderdome, bitch. Can't wait. That's yeah. <laughs> Oh, we'd Dandy. love to. I mean, absolutely would love to have you. If, oh, if told them that you were in on – you know, we just got, we just booked one in New Orleans. They'd, they'd cream in their pants. 
I'm ready at any any day. Well, you I'm, know, Mike, you got to get to Florida. I've already put the call in. I've already pulled the fucking strings. I, dude, I got to get there. I was so pissed, Mike, because you see Nesbeth, he did his, he did a, he did the seminar there. I didn't even know, we, I didn't even know they went there. There's another one in October. Um, there's some. I, I'm pretty. I'm almost positive that Triple Threat is doing something in October. Um, because they just I, did one, right? No, I, not that I'm aware of, but I'm not in that loop. Um, I know I was talking with uh, Clover Austin from Marathon Canine. He said he was coming down to Ocala to a seminar in October. I believe there's something going down with Triple Threat with Nesbeth, yeah. Carlos Ramirez, um, Jay Nix. They they run Triple Threat Canine, um, and I, I believe they're doing a an apprehension seminar there. But hey, listen, like, and when I tell you the strings I fucking pulled and the shit I had to eat. To to get you know who out of the out of the dungeon to come out. Um, it, I'll it, be so I'll be in Memphis in September. I have uh, Los Angeles in August, and I I can I mean September Memphis is closer, so I can probably make my way out there then. Yeah, it, it'll, it'll have to be if Triple Threat does anything in you know obviously Ocala. And shout out to Marion County Sheriff's Department, oh, yeah. JX. Um, I can't say enough good things about that, about that sheriff's department, um, especially Jay Nix, who, you know, they, they are setting the tone for where police canine needs to go. And, and that's in terms of being open-minded, looking at whoever is bringing in valuable information, whoever's presenting things. Jay is a great guy. Uh, I, I've met him personally. Um, and you know they're 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 just looking for knowledge and they're looking for information and and that's why I mean then when when they teamed up with Carlos and Nesbeth to create Triple Threat I was like that's a good group of guys that okay. is effective. I mean like so that brings me in that brings me into I mean obviously uh, whenever Tyler gets back here um, that brings me into some stuff we're dealing with in California and that's what kills me. A little bit and i hate to get into this like political side of things but the uof the utilization of force uh when it comes to canines and i'm only gonna bring that up i'm not gonna bring anything else up from that but utilization of force when it comes to canines in california they are in they're trying to enforce a bark and hold or bark and find what uh, and that is a legitimate thing if you look up the see it's it's a dog oh, thing no. it is something to where they're doing it's no longer bark and bite it's bark it's find and bite or find and bark uh and that's the dogs are gonna get killed that's what i'm saying i was like so you know with with the utilization of that because that isn't actually you can look it up uof you know utilization of forest.ca.gov or whatever the hell it is now um but yeah, that's something that they're trying to imply. And for me, uh, and I know you guys are feel the same exact way, that's complete horseshit. Because what is a dog who does a bark and hold initially, what are the char characteristics of a dog who will do that intentionally? And how closely are they they are to dying right then and there? Yeah. I'll have uh, it's sad. It's fucking sad because you care about the dog. That dog is putting itself in fucking danger. Like, oh, it's just—it's universally uh, an issue with 
police canines that it's basically well known your admins don't care about you, right? If you have a big drug fine, they'll be the first to take credit. But if you bite a person wrongfully, uh, then they're going to be the first to slam you. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, like if you import a dog who has a Schutzen background and you imply stress on them, you'll see some of them start to do a bark and hold. Why? Because it's their foundation, right? So you put stress on them and they're like, uh, like uh, fuck uh, you, I'm out. <laughs> they're like, hey, beautiful bark and hold, but wrong, right? And um, yeah, no, like dogs are going to get killed. Um, these laws are being implemented by people that have no idea about canine. And that is the 100-year-old tale of canine. That's the biggest battle that, that canine officers have. Um, you know, not being supported by their admin, by people that don't understand the job. And like that for me, like that's a sensitive subject in the sense that's like, it was like you're, 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 you're basically making sure that people get killed more because what happens when the canine doesn't bite or, you know, the canine that's going to be as a decoy. I mean, like you guys are both decoys when you're standing in front of a dog and it's right here our initial reaction is going to be something a person who has no understanding of what that looks like what are they going to do they're going to flee or they're right. going to move and what is our trigger for the dog to bite us as the reward or the dart to bite you know the decoy as a reward it's the bite but mike you know they, it's, they took it one step further in massachusetts oh god yeah well I mean, no. are you surprised so it's, Wait. it's back and hold. However, they want to serve, they want a herd of fleas. Bargain circle. Oh my God. They're doing that there too. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, oh, if the guy runs, the dog will just circle. What the fuck are they doing? Are, are they taking in some selfies and some Australian, some cattle dogs? <laughs> yeah, like, what are we? yeah. Herders? The, the, you know, like the DA is going to be like, but he nipped his heels. What do you have to say about yourself? It's not in his training record to nip heels. Dude, like, even if like, you didn't even go further, like, you know, IA is going to fucking go all over that. But Man, this, is one, this is actually one thing. And um, I think it's pretty important that Ted Summers and Jason Davis actually have like arguments with. Right. So the vernacular for police needs to be grit. As soon as you said Jason Davis, I knew you were going there. Right. So the grip versus the bite, right? Because if a dog bites, 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 it's a mauling. It's a grip. You can justify it like it as a bite and hold, you know, dog has one puncture, you know, the dog performed its job. And, and Ted Summers, you know, I mean, he was in school to be a lawyer prior to this so he's like uh walking like he talks about oh it's the ninth circuit i'm like what the fuck is the ninth circuit guys, like, we've had conversations before mm -hmm. yeah i agree um i agree with the grip mm -hmm. the bite i understand but legitimately or legally i agree with the grip right you know it's like calling somebody a janitor versus the professional of custodial arts. Yeah. Sounds a little you're, bit. I mean, you're just dolling up bullshit. I mean, the dog bit the motherfucker and they're biting the, heart, the hell out of them to make them stop doing what they're doing. 
But I mean, the grip is a much prettier way of displaying what they did. They bit, they held, they bit, they held, they bit, they held, they bit, they held. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and which, I, it's important. Which I'm gonna have to jump on my soapbox real quick. Just I, I can, we can't have this conversation without me bringing this up. Like the neck's how, not out, the the vein's not out, so I feel like we're safe. Can we have any conversation without him having to put his input in on the soapbox? The, the vein is at, the vein's not out, so we're fine. Yeah, it only takes right a second. Now. I can oh, bring it up. Coming out. All right, now we're Ask screwed. Me. All right. <laughs> How the hell can anybody, man or woman, teach a dog how to fight if you don't know what it's like to be in a goddamn fight? And these people watching Instagram to learn how to decoy dogs. When they don't know what it's like to be in a situation, whether it's in training or whether it's in real life, it's irrelevant, where someone is dominating you and you start to feel like, oh, shit, how can if you don't know what that feels like, how can you be a competent dog trainer to teach dogs how to deal with those moments if you've never been in that moment your goddamn self? I agree. I mean, there's no, uh, I mean, at least for us, like, you know, I, if I don't have to put, you know, a client in that position, I literally put the dog in that position and I'll put that dog in that position to be like, okay, cool. But it's, we call, I mean, I call it, and people have name for different things or whatever the fuck it's called, but like, I, I call it incremental pressure. So like, I'll bring the pressure in incrementally, like, from high to low, you know, all the way to like, we're going, we're going hard today, but it's always based on the dog's reward and them understanding how to fight and get out of that situation. You know, when it comes to uh, certain situations, when it comes to personal protection or, you know, uh, law enforcement, you know, like that's a harder thing to go through. And I'm sure Tyler, like you have more input on that, but like when it comes to teaching people to understand like, Hey motherfucker, you had to fight for that dog. That dog's not just sent to like take care of your business. Like you gotta, you you're handling that business with that dog, like you're doing the same thing. But you know the same thing. That's why we started our deep water thing, you know, roughly, I don't even know, five six years ago. Whereas like you know we're we're in we're in the fight for ten minutes. Like you, that dog's gonna fear, feel what weaknesses. They're gonna feel how to overcome that. They're gonna understand the technique of forward biting and you know using the molars and using how to crush bones and doing those things and teaching the handlers how to deal with that situation as well you know that's a big thing and you know same thing with katie said you know you have to in especially in personal protection they have to understand how to combat with their dog they have to understand how to feel what that feels like and they have to understand like you know that 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 value there because the dog feels the same thing you know when you're the decoy and, and this is rudimentary knowledge like when you're the decoy your job is to build the dog and and you know i'm gonna go out on a limb and just like give benefit of the doubt and hope that everybody out there who went out and bought a sleeve on amazon at least knows that but you know it's more you know you talk about deep water and you talk about you know so i i had been working dogs and bite work for years and at the same time i'm also competing in combat sports myself personally and I'm doing jiu-jitsu. I'm competing in jiu-jitsu tournaments. And then I go to my my mentor, my dog mentor, my life mentor. And I'm like, listen, I want to get better at violence. 
I, I realized that Brazilian jiu-jitsu is not violence. I realized there's a rule set here and I want to get more proficient at real life. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah, I am. And, you know, we get to sparring and, you know, I tap, but it doesn't end. And, you know, I'm used to this rule set. I'm used to this very conditioned rule set of Brazilian jiu-jitsu where the minute you tap, it ends. Yeah. And here I am, after requesting to learn more about violence, tapping, and it's not ending. Now, the choke the choke got a little bit looser, so I didn't pass out, but the sparring didn't stop. And I'm tapping, and he's like, you don't tap in violence. Like, There's no tapping. It doesn't end. There's no out. There's no, <laughs> do something, motherfucker. Do something. And, and, and at first, for me, it was like, this mind fuck like i'm used to tapping and it's over and it's not over what do i do so instantly you know what i did i fucking panicked i started making noises i started grunting i started doing everything that i frown upon when people show up to jujitsu and they do it and i'm like here what do you do what are you making those noises for what are you grunting for i was doing the exact same thing because the criteria was higher and finally I started fighting back. Like, I just, I mean, random, just fighting back. And he backed off. And then I had a light bulb moment. And I said, you're treating me like a fucking dog, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> KD froze at the perfect moment, too. So if you screenshot this, please screenshot that. Mm -hmm. What that did for me as a as a man in my quest to be more comfortable with violence, instantly I went into dog training. My brain was in dog training. And I was like, this is dog training. This is what we do with these dogs, especially the dogs that have problems, especially the weaker dogs who are trying to look, we have to teach them how to use forward aggression to solve the problem at hand. Like there is no bark and hold. There is no avoidance behavior that is gonna make the pressure go away. No, your bite went like this. That's not going to work. I need your bite to adjust. I need you to counter. I need you to make eye contact with me. I need you to do something, dog, to show me a little bit more forward aggression to solve your problem. And, and we'll increase that criteria as we continue to work, dog. But all of that, like, I really have a tough time understanding how somebody in a suit or a sleeve can teach that if they don't know what it fucking feels like. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I have a similar story of uh, boxing where, like, my biggest goal uh, in boxing was to fight in Southie at the St. Patrick's Day show, uh, which I did. But in preparation for that, I had a similar moment where I was live sparring with somebody way better than me. And express my goals and he put the fucking boots to me the second i made a mistake my first initial reaction was this i literally like curled into a ball i was eating punches left and right and just here and just did that but it kept going until i adjusted now ultimately that's what we do with dogs now one thing outside of the point that i wanted to bring uh onto this is uh howard young he's actually in white beard He's been cut white bear canine. Mr. Howard Young. 
Yeah. Uh, fun fact for you. I, I decoyed in Shelby, North Carolina. Amazing guy. Amazing decoy. Uh, one of the very few people that you see at that age still decoying, developing amazing canine teams. Uh, Howard has never been a cop. He is a civilian trainer for police. When these systems are put in place, now more and more than ever, people are, uh, police departments are shelling away from civilian decoys, civilian trainers. So now they're putting somebody who has been on patrol, been in canine for two to five years, and now they're making them the head trainers versus the subject matter experts. Yeah. Uh, so when states are putting these laws in place, they're basically jeopardizing the work of people like Howard Young, who's been, you know, uh, Shelby uh, in North Carolina's Shelby Police Department's head head trainer, who basically paved the way for guys like you and I, Mike. And he's the nicest fucking guy ever. Oh, he's <laughs> he's absolutely amazing. His wife Lisa is. If you've ever, if you've ever had that, I've never had. I've only talked to him on DMs, but that motherfucker is literally the night one of the nicest people. I've met him at a seminar. He is just awesome. Mm-hmm. He's just a nice ass dude. He is, and that's and that's the thing that we don't take into consideration. All these big canine companies that are coming out with these seminars to make people better are are in serious jeopardy. I mean, even with COVID nineteen, HRD, you know, they've been getting rescheduled. Departments don't want to provide funding to civilian based uh you know seminars yeah because they're getting they're they're continuously getting defunded and yeah people don't understand the fact that defunding uh police canine that means or defending police in general just means that you're defunding training you're not defunding the assholes that make the decisions mm-hmm. you know so that that's all part of the situation that people don't fucking get but people are wanting to do yeah and so i mean it's i'll it, make that unfavorable <laughs> comment but it's the real shit especially out here i mean i we literally do free law enforcement training for any local organization just to make sure that they they're safe and it's more so for the dog yeah absolutely and the training that you provide the training i provide you know like kd like we're subject matter experts in that field you know we're giving them that training for field like for free and we're, we're allowing them the opportunity to stay safe on the street which is leaps and bounds better than somebody just putting on like a mushroom suit hiding in a room and then just fighting like this Let, you know, so tyler you should actually i'll i'll, I'll let because i've already spewed this so many times <sighs> you what I say? <laughs> you got two spit bottles. Pick your pick. Pick one. Is it the wine bottle or is it the seltzer bottle? I know. Every time I see the fucking spit bottle, I'm like the wine bottle. I'm like, damn, I'm like tap drinking out of a, a wine bottle right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah. So, being a decoy is more than just being a bite dummy. Yes. So let's clarify that real quick between now all three of us. That is more than that. Um, I did a recent course on that through our PCU stuff, and it's like, like, it, it's an art. It, it 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 truly is an art. If if someone doesn't think that it is not not an art, it is they're they're dumb and they shouldn't be doing what they're doing. You're not a and like for me, like you're not a dumbass. that's just getting thrown in the suit that's going to test the dog, and see what they can do. You are someone who's creating that or creating bit more and better behavior 
than just doing what whatever the dog's been programmed to do through whatever genetics they have. So for me, I, I'm very critical in that. And even if the dog comes, let's say the dog you know flies in from Holland or wherever they're coming from, like my goal immediately is not like, all right, cool, we're gonna test you, see what you can do. It's all right, cool, let's see what we you can do and what we can improve on. But it's always about being that better sparring partner. And it's the same thing when it comes to like when I did boxing and when I fought in mixed martial arts, it's always about the same thing. It's like, all right, how can we improve? Yeah, but. and uh, just to segue KD into this, KD did a Instagram live on, you know, dog training. I, I It might have even been yours and mine, KD, but he has these Amazon bought uh, counters, right? So what he'll do is he'll... If he Wait, what? Yeah. Amazon bought what? Yeah, so it, it attaches to your finger and they're like, you know, like the... Yeah, he's going to go get one. So it's like, you know... You know, when you go into a bar and somebody, you know, somebody comes in, you click it. How many times am I going to put my thumb like this? But you know what I mean? Like, it's, it's a counter. Yep. Oh. Just like that. Kitty got the fancy digital one. Yeah. So when he's doing obedience, right, he'll count how many times. Oh, did I did this command? And he'll put it in a logbook. And so when a dog's facing certain issues, he'll look at his paper and be like, okay, like dog struggling here. Oh shit. I only did maybe 20 reps on this. Okay. I need to improve on this because everything else I maybe did 50 reps and I only did 20 reps on this. And it's like data, data, whatever you want to say. Uh, so after listening to KD, I actually started keeping a logbook on my bike work dog. I'd write what I did with them, what, like how they were, what I thought they were ready for, because I fell into a trap of just seeing the same dude over and over again. And then being like, yeah, all right. And then just, you know, all right, sleep today. And then we're on the sleep. And then the guy's like, okay, like whatever. And the dog was ready, good to go. And maybe, or, you know, like the dogs weren't progressing at a level that they, they, they could have. Um, yeah. So I started keeping a little black book, like composition notebook on my bite work dogs. Um, and I think it's extremely important. And I got that trick from KD. And that, it's, that's super important. Every dog has their own goals. Every dog has their own strengths and weaknesses. And it's important to build on both of those. And like that's, and with protection work, I feel like that's even, and it's hard to say, but even with behavioral issues, that's even more important because you are actually teaching a dog to harm somebody. You are actively doing that. You're actively doing that. Even if you start in the prey aspect of things or the defensive aspect of things, you're teaching a dog to bite and then learning how to bite. So for me, it's, it's always an art. It's always something that's consistently like that. And that's why it's awesome that you guys are doing that, especially with the counters and everything like that, what you guys are doing with the, the clicker and everything. So that's yeah. cool as fuck. Yeah, and I mean, the, the decoy is the one training the dog. And if you're a prospective decoy, if you're watching this and you're watching Mike's videos, and um, understand your education never ends. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I'm a guest on this show, but I'm actively going to be taking these courses. Like, I'm always continuing my education as a decoy. And you're the one training the dog. And it's so important to understand that the most key component, component in any of these scenarios is the decoy and if you have a decoy that doesn't know what they're doing or they're just a dummy in a suit 
you're going to uh, really, really uh, affect dogs training. And now I have friends that are now, you know, uh, deceased, you know, because they got killed in the line of duty or overseas and they were canine handlers. And I take that stuff super, super personal. In Massachusetts, there was a guy on the South shore who was clearing an attic, sent his dog in the attic. The dog missed the passive suspect. The, the guy froze up. He put his head up and the guy shot him right in the head. Now, I'm not going to blame anybody for that. It is what it is. It's a tragedy that happened. But what I'm going to do with that is I'm going to take my training group. I'm going to take the people or the cops that I meet in HRD. I'm going to replicate that situation and pray to God that that never happens to them again. Yep. 100%. And, 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 and that's that's where my, my heart, my soul goes into it. This is not just a paycheck for me. These are dead friends to me. And I'm constantly reminded by that every day I walk into that kennel. Yep. Not, I mean, saying I... I feel, I mean, that's, I, I've worked with the Department of Defense, built their West Coast system, everything like that we've done. And like, for me, like, you've got to be like, you're, you're as a decoy, you are essentially protecting lives. I, you know, you're, especially if you're doing, you know, law enforcement, military, any work like that, agency work, you know, you are, you're teaching, especially with the scenarios. That's why I love HRD so much uh, with stuff they do is the fact that they are producing scenarios that are life-based. Yeah. And uh, not to go too, too deep into details, but there's been scenarios that we've produced where grown men, you know, had to step away and, and gather themselves for a second. Uh, we've put a lot of stress not only on the dogs, but as well as the handlers. Each scenario that we have is designed for either dog or handler. We'll make it real easy on the dog, but really tough on the handler. And that's where they find out who they are, just like KD found out who he was when he was getting choked by that dude. And then just how I found out when I was getting smoked in the ring, shelling up like that. It's like, okay, now is that one inch of aggression. Like, make a decision, make it fast, or die. Like, or, or be the, you know, the 99 percentile. Not, not to sound uh, cliche, but it's a uh, fight or flight. Yeah. And, you know, I know the, I had a buddy of mine who um, was in canine out in the state of Arizona with an unnamed department. He's no longer with them, but um, I, 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 now mind you, every, you go, you two know this, but the world, like I'm not in police canine. That that's not my lane. Um, it is for entertainment and for my passion, but not my business, but the state of Arizona does something pretty fucking cool. And I don't know if other states are doing this, but Arizona has once a year, they do a canine like summit where they there's a town in Arizona that gives up the town to all the departments for the whole state for a couple of days. And they bring in trainers from all over. Each trainer gets to do a seminar and run their own scenario. And they take over the town. And they run live scenarios based on failed deployments that took place in the previous year. And they get to run through this. And the people that show up, they run through the scenario. And like Tyler was saying, it's either a lot of pressure on the handler or it's a lot of pressure on the dog. 
but it's all based off of failed deployments where something went wrong. And unfortunately, maybe, you know, maybe someone lost their life or, or a dog got in trouble and they, they bring in, they got veterinarians that come in that specialize in canine veterinary, veterinary care that are on the spot working on their data collection. They got trainers coming in working on data collection. And it's like they take over this whole town to just run scenarios. And that was the first time I ever heard of anything like that. And that's awesome. I've never heard that before. Why is that not happening in every fucking state? Right. Dude. Like, what the fuck? Like, like that's <laughs> in Arizona every year. And I that's mean, one thing I am completely uh, baffled by is like, you know, Troy Casey, the head trainer of Boston Canine, <clears throat> that dude's been in it for 27 years. Now he has a decision to make. Say he's been the head trainer for 27 years and run things the way he always has and said, you know, sink or swim, you're going to run it my way or the highway, or he uh, adapts with the times and he's adapted with the times. So I've been very lucky where the things that I view as right and the the core values that HRD, you know, resonates with uh, match like Boston canines values. So I feel very lucky, but with HRD, when we travel, sometimes it's like, oh shit like this is not a regular hrd like we have to take them back to almost step two of yeah. like you have your dog and so we work with them we write letters to the admin being like hey listen like guys are gonna get killed but we have to approach it in a way be like hey listen we're not telling you that you're a piece of shit we're just helping you in this situation and we're showing you through these scenarios how your dog is really going to react and it's not until you come to terms with it that we say, okay, now, like, ask for our help. Cool. Now that we've gotten over that, like, ego barrier, now let's now let's make you a better canine team. Let's start working. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel yeah. like that's, like, one of the biggest, you know, um, especially working with the canines that we do work with is that's one of the biggest things that for them to overcome is that, like, you're not at the pinnacle like you are just at the start <laughs> like that that's where we're starting exactly you know we're not we're we're not at the pinnacle at whatsoever but i feel like that with that's with everything you know we're continuously building and learning how to start and do the things that we need to do plugging in real quick <laughs> what's the next um hrd seminar uh, so I think that there's one in Indiana. I won't be at that. Uh, the next decoy camp is going to be in Mannheim, Pennsylvania, September for, uh, 21st to the 23rd. Going to be a huge camp. So far, we are, we have like 20 people registered. So, uh, so hit up, hit up Alicia and Ted and tell them I want to be there. I will fly my ass there and I will be there. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Um, man oh man that would be so awesome um you know it and you know with 20 people registered i mean that's 20 person decoy seminar um so me as the like lead instructor now i have to contact the host i have to make uh for you i do like 40 decoys at a time so i can do that shit easy like let, let me know bro i'll be there 
I'll call them right now. <laughs> that's I would fucking be there. Like, I, like that's you know, I, I'm always down to help. I just want to be a part of this. I want to be part of helping. Oh, that's yeah. And I mean, now, like Eric and myself, Eric had said that he's talked to you. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I mean, that very well respected guy by HRD. So I'm fucking in the game, KD, with your luxurious mustache, sir. I've gotten many comments on uh, you just being in the room with the mustache. It's a presence, you know. I mean, I, it's it's. I mean, look at that beautiful thing. You know, as a child, I, you know, I grew up in the '80s, and uh, you know, my mom liked Tom Selleck, and I was resentful because I'm like, Mom, why do you have Tom Selleck pictures up? You know, what about Dad? Well, my dad then grew a big mustache. And so it's only rightfully fitting that I grow one too in honor of Tom Selleck. And I don't know if anybody follows me on Instagram, but for Halloween, you know, I did the whole Tom Selleck thing. I just need to get a Doberman um, so that did I Tom can. Tom Selleck have a Doberman? What? Tom Selleck had a Doberman? No, but Higgins did, the guy that he worked for. Oh, in the show, right? Yeah. 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 I was like, what? What the fuck? I was like, yeah, they hit that. <laughs> And also, I need the plug to that Doberman to know what uh, what bloodline it came from. Because uh, uh. <laughs> let's not talk about let's not open that can of worms. Uh, Dobermans haven't been decent since the night. Well, when were Dobermans decent? Uh, uh. I see it, Tyler. <laughs> so there are some Mondia ring ones I've heard of. Have you heard of any? Have I heard of any good uh, Dobermans? Yep, and I'm going to I'm pulling Nesbeth here. Yeah, but listen, no, but hey, while we're talking about Dobermans, there's a guy on Instagram. Best his uh, Instagram handle is Best of Both Worlds, and he has a breeding program that he's been playing with with Dobermans and Pitbulls. And I gotta tell you. And I don't care who the fuck judges me for this comment. I, I don't care. You're all strangers. You don't impact my life. He's got some of the most beautiful animals I've ever seen with his Doberman pit bull crosses. The, the, the phenotype. I don't know the temperament. I haven't worked the dogs. I haven't seen the dogs. I appreciate dogs. Listen, I wouldn't be here if I didn't fucking love dogs, right? And I can appreciate a beautiful, beautiful animal, especially a dog. This guy, his his Doberman, whatever crosses, are the most beautiful dogs I've ever fucking seen in pictures. And I don't know what their temperament is like, but I, I want one. So, if you know, I know he's not watching because he's, he's in Europe or something, but that's the one. What's that guy's name? Best of both worlds. Best of both worlds on Instagram. It's, it's Toronto. Yeah, he lives in Toronto. He's uh, one of our. I thought he was in the UK. Uh, oh, I think so. No, he's in Toronto. Canada. The dogs are highly people and dog aggressive. Beautiful. <laughs> That's coming from my boss. Beautiful. Those dogs are just stunning looking. Stunning looking. It's like my cute dog, Ozzy. The guy I can't even roll. <laughs> All right, let's go through some questions now that we've done. Our yeah, recently. let's pull that up. Um, I'll pull up the questions here. Um, I'm going to uh, listen. I'm, the first question 
is going to come from one of my fucking students who has sponsored tonight's events and festivities because my beer my beer tonight is actually courtesy of this question this guy who asked this question well first of all thank you for the person that sponsored and also thank you for making uh, kd turn that mustache and make it look so glorious it yeah. does <laughs> so um and you know shout out to mario you know th this is one of my students from my flagship program the canine blueprint guy had never trained a dog before he enrolled in my blueprint program my online dog ownership program with a connie corso and you know the guy is just crushing it he you know now we got covid hit but before COVID, he was like, going, now he's like wanting to get into going to rescues and shelters and working with dogs. Um, he's an all-star. His question is this. What questions should you ask a trainer decoy or what should you look for when you want to evaluate your Mastiff dog for sport or personal protection? Phenomenal question, Mario, and great beer. Thank you very much for tonight. Was that the dude that you just posted uh, with the no, okay. no, that was another. That was enough. Listen, man, I, I mean, I can't help it. Like my student, my students are fucking awesome because my program is fucking awesome. Um, that was a different Corso student. No, I have like several people in the Canine Blueprint who have Corsos um, who are rocking it. Um, what you're talking about is my student, Miguel, who's actually getting ready to get into dog training as a result of his success in my program. Um, no, I'm talking about this guy, Mario. I haven't posted a, any success stories from him in a while. He has an exceptional Corso. Uh, his obedience is exceptional. He's trying to get into Schutzen now with his Corso. I need to get him in touch with Ty Nero. Is Honestly, I need to get him hooked up with Ty. I need to pass the torch. For Mario to get in touch with Ty. Um, Ty, if you're watching, hit me up. I, I need my student to get with you. Um, so what kind of questions should someone with that type of dog be asking of a trainer or a decoy when they attend a Schutzen club full of Shepherds and Dobermans and, you know, Malinois? You know, what should they be looking for at, when they bring in off-breed to this type of uh, context, environment? Go ahead, Tyler. Oh, you son of a bitch. All right, let me, let me go first on this one then. So I yeah. started in Schutzen um, oh. roughly, whatever, 16 years ago. So for me, what I would look for for a Corso after looking into sport is how their response to prey is. I want to see their response to prey. I want to see how dedicated they are to prey. Um, did, you know, defensiveness, we already know that's already there. And we already know like that's already ingrained. But for me, I want to see their response to prey. I want to see how you're going to react to the prey. Also, what's your bite like? You know, what is your full, like, what is the initial bite? And uh, after that point, I'm just going to be like, okay, cool. Like, this is what we need to work on and go from there. But immediately is my response to prey. Okay. So, uh, what, so what should the handler be? What kind of questions should the handler be asking you? Now, I wish you were farther south because this guy who asked this question, um, shit, he's in, like, just south of LA. I think he's a little bit too far to get up to you, Mike. Um, because he, he's a California guy. Oh, it's Cali. Um, I mean, so I mean, like the big, I mean, so this is hard to say because you, you, every decoy works a, a different way. 
So for me, like a guy can work a flirt pole and do this. And they're just flipping the fucking flirt pole in front of the dog. So people think that's prey. But this presentation is defensive. So there's different ways you can do things. I mean, as a handler, um, you want to look for someone who's going to make them make the boogeyman go away. You know, they're going to consistently, consistently move with the object. It's not necessarily the person, especially when it becomes a, what's a mastiff. And especially in the beginning, you always want to make sure it's always prey because prey is play. You know, it's not serious yet, uh, yet until we go into defense work, but I break down all my systems very like, like incremental, like there's tiny bits of steps before I get to the top step, you know? So hard to say for me, what do you, what do you got Tyler? Uh, I mean, first and foremost, uh, respectfully ask what the trainer decoys, uh, experience level is. And if their core values align with what you're looking for. Um, I think that that's first and foremost, right? Because if, yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if, if you have somebody, um, who decoys a specific way or only has experience with herders, which I think is, uh, extremely important. It doesn't have experience with, um, definitely a, a red flag, but not a deal breaker. Um, if, the person is say, you know, if you as the client say, I want my dog to be a Schutzen dog. And the, the trainer is just saying, oh, you need to do this and you need to do that or whatever. Like, I, I would definitely stay away from that guy. And the reason why is because, like, uh, in my opinion, when somebody, even if somebody has a fucking pug and they come to me and they say, I want my dog to be a Schutzen dog or a sports dog, like I will explain to them genetics. I will explain to them all those things and be like, listen, we're going to try. However, this is why these don't work. Um, so, you know, when the trainer tests your dog, you know, for that prey drive and, and everything like that, if, if prey is a wash and your dog just has nothing, maybe he has some other tools in the toolbox. Maybe he can bring some other things out in your dog. After that session, ask him what he liked, what he didn't like, why he liked what he liked, and why he didn't like what he didn't like. And if he can adequately answer those things for you, um, ask him, be like, hey, you know, maybe we can give this, you know, a little bit more of a try. If he's not bringing other dogs out, circling them around seeing maybe if he can get like that mentality of like oh okay you know like uh maybe you know seven dogs around them in a circle barking brings your dog out to be like yeah fuck yeah like i'm getting competitive against the other dogs uh if he's not doing things like uh you know maybe like have you play with the rag or something like that. if he's uncomfortable with you holding the rag of the flirt pole you know, dancing it around, maybe, hey, here you go. I just want you to play with your dog. Like, if he's not doing these problem-solving things and just basically saying you have a corso, fuck off, then that's not the guy for you. Not to say your dog isn't fit, but, you know, you want the guy that's going to bring out seven tricks and a hat in a whole session versus saying... Later. Yep. Yeah. 
Yeah. I did a, um, I went up to a kennel. I'm not going to say where, um, to evaluate their dogs, work with their staff. When I was, I was up there for three days and this was after they, I mean, they had a trainer who they had hired to come in a couple days a week. And he was an old German dude. Um, I met him after the fact. They didn't tell him who I was, but I knew who he was. I mean, when this old, I mean, the guy was in his like 70s or 80s, I shook his hand and he like practically crushed my hand, this old dude. And they had borbles and American bullies. Mm -hmm. And this old Schutzen guy was teaching them, the staff, dog training. And when I got there, they told me that the old Schutzen man who was, you know, massively German and massively experienced had told them that their dogs were shit. He had told them that their dogs were lazy and, and didn't want to work. Well, I mean, we all know what my background is. We talked about it at the beginning of tonight's show. You know, I, I, I came up on the Mastiffs and the Molossers. So I told one of the, uh, the staff to take out one of the Borables who had gotten some of the most uh, critical feedback from the old Schutzen man. I said, just take the dog out. I just want to watch you work with the dog. Do what you've been doing. And I see this boar, this young year and a half old borable. And if anybody knows about borables, especially the males, they know when they go through puberty, they go through some massive changes where they're really insecure and they don't know if they're a tough guy. They don't know if they're a punk. They, they, they go through some, some shit. And I'm looking at this dog with this very inexperienced handler. And this dog's little nub is, is like, like, he wants to work. He, he wants so badly to do something. And the handler is struggling, doesn't know what the fuck to do. And finally, I was like, cut, stop, put the dog away, let's talk. And I said, what did your trainer say about this dog? And she's like, well, he said he's lazy and he doesn't want to work. I'm like, I just watched you with this dog. He wants to work so fucking bad, but he doesn't know how to tell you because he's a dog. And, the you know, they had this old school German Schutzen trainer who that old cookie cutter methodology where – if the dog doesn't fit the protocol, we'll fuck the dog. Yep. I asked them, I said, well, what type of work have you done with the dog so far? You're, you're asking this dog to do behaviors. How have you taught the dog what the behaviors are that you're asking it to do? And they're like, well, we put a prong collar on. He said to just start slamming. Yeah. With a pubescent. South African borable, year and a half. And anybody who knows anything about the Molossers knows that at a year and a half, I don't give a fuck if he's 120 pounds. Mentally, he's like a nine-year-old boy. He's not, just because he's big doesn't mean he's there yet. And, like, they were on some old, you know, killer. Boom, 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 boom. Fuck the dog. If he doesn't want to do it, it's because he's lazy. It's not because he's a molosser and he's immature and you never once showed him what you want him to fucking do. So 
for somebody with a molosser, with a cutty corso, looking to get into dog sport, ask the fucking trainer if they've ever worked with a fucking molosser. Yes. Do they understand? Guys, we talked about this earlier. Every single dog on the planet has two questions that guide its life. How can I get what I want? How can I avoid what I don't like? Yeah. Whether it's a Malinois, whether it's got fucking Rudy Peggy or Duco 2 and every name in its pedigree, or whether it's a Connie Corso or Neapolitan or whatever. Find out what that dog likes and what he wants and what he doesn't like and work with that. So Mario, now we've already talked about this, but I'm not answering this question for you at this point. I'm answering it for the other people who might be watching this. You know, ask the trainer, have you worked with this type of dog? Have you worked with a dog whose predominant drive is going to be defense? Do you know how to bring out the prey? Do you know how to identify the prey drive? Do you know how to combine the two? Like, do channel you know how to dog? Yep. No, 100%. I mean, like, you have to learn how to channel drive. You have to understand, you know, once you bring out the defense, to spark the prey and vice versa. Yeah. And if, yeah. You're, if you're a decoy, know your limitations. One. Ask help because that could be an amazing learning opportunity for you. Uh, and three, if you're the big swinging dick in charge, don't chalk that dog up to the game just because you couldn't do it. And I'm a, I'm a testament to it. My nephew has been decoying for one year, and he's been able to bring certain things out of dogs that I didn't because I ran those protocols because I was like, oh, I'm fucking no, a herder or a bus. You know, it's my own issues. But my nephew is the passionate dude taking the time, working overtime, working 14-hour days to be like, hey. <clears throat> that's uh, Is your uh, nephew named Jake? Yeah, yeah. Oh, shout-out to Jake. He hits me. He hit me up on my personal. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's a little tension whore. But, yeah, no, I mean, this is the dude. I mean, I'm, I'm so fucking proud of that kid. Like, he, like, he's done things with certain dogs that maybe were just like, oh, you're a little too intense for me. He's getting them up on dumpsters and doing that. But, like, I'm like, that's fucking awesome. You know, that's somebody who just became a Falco, like, lifetime supporter. Just because I couldn't make it happen, he is passionate about working these dogs that aren't finished dogs. You know, him and I run different protocols. Huge, man. I mean, like, uh, Mike, I see you have, um, like, like uh, Aaron. Yep. That's right. Like Aaron uh, Monique. Yeah, well, Monique's not definitely with us, but Aaron's the the literally the one staying next to me and making sure everything's okay. <laughs> yeah, right. So like, I see these certain people like like my photos and stuff like that. Like, it, it's very important for you if you're the big dick swinging, if you're the, if you're the HMFIC, to to be able to have a little bit of like, you know, like you the numbers. <laughs> Like if you're like to be to be humble, man. I mean, like uh, Jake's doing an outstanding job. He's doing the outstanding with job with dogs. Like, hey, like they were very very weak dogs, but he's bringing them to that point. Will they bite somebody in real life? Probably not. 
but he's bringing them to like incredible levels. That's awesome. So, um, it's yeah. just the ability to work, man. Like the ability to work and like create like people are create people that will help these dogs get to their maximum potential, whether they buy it or they don't buy it. At least we're helping them get to what they can do and the best ability in which they can do. Promising something is different, but you know, it's, and that's where a lot of people, especially, you know, let you know, kid, you brought it up, body and canine. Um, dogs that will not bite when they're facing certain things. So just so anyone who's watching this, there's a vast difference between personal protection, law enforcement, and, and just, or I would say sport. Me personally, personal protection, law enforcement, I'm following the same reign um, as far as what they do. Sport, if you're on a suit, you fall in the same reign as well. You got to be able to nail what you can nail. Uh, if you're Shutsin, which I started with, that's prey based and that's play, prey and play. You know, no matter what it, no matter what it is. I mean, there's ten. There's I've I've been bitten by a multitude of dogs that can do what Shutsin dogs do, and they do what they do. Um, but our law enforcement dogs can do, and they do what they do. So it's the same thing. But I mean, there's also different varieties as far as what we're understanding and what we do. But yeah, I mean, that's essentially um, the wrap up on that. Yeah. Hey, Mike, real quick, before I forget. So uh, my guy, Mario, just commented. He said he's an hour north of L.A. How far is that from you? Four hours, five hours. Jesus, California is big. God damn. <laughs> all right a little large um any more so we have, i think we're wrapping up here guys you know there's, there was a couple more questions um what is a good way to see if your dog is good at tracking <laughs> if he uses his fucking nose jesus God christ almighty <laughs> uh so my tracking experience is definitely shits in um but what do you got there uh, Tyler, uh, I mean, there's a difference between uh, genetically meant for tracking and learned behavior. Um, you know, you can do the hot dog. I mean, like I, I like the hot dog method just to teach that that learned behavior. But at the end of the day, you know, if your dog is just blatantly not into it, then you got to kind of just chalk it up to the game. I mean, and, and just to tap into what KD said, you know, like, what does the dog want? You know, you have to find what does the dog want more than anything? What's going to make them perform those behaviors? Um, and if it's nothing, then you're going to have a really hard time. If, if you know what they want, then use that to your advantage. Um, I don't have, you know, a ton, a ton tracking experience. Um, you know, basically what I do when I sell a police prospect, I'll basically do the foundation. And so I don't get into advanced tracking principles or anything like that. I'm basically hot dog tracks um, to the point where I'm at about, you know, a thousand steps. Um, and I slowly, by process of successive approximation, take away the hot dogs. Um, I'll do right turns, left turns, cross tracks. 
and that's about the time that I'll sell them and, and hand it off to the subject matter experts. Katie, out of my lane, never taught a dog to use its nose outside of hunt drive building with hiding tennis balls and various places. Um, something I've actually been, um, I, I, I called up one of my good friends and colleagues, uh, Ariel Paldunas, who I think you need to get on this fucking show. Uh, she is a fucking wizard. I, I told her, I was like, uh, listen, I got this puppy and he's using his nose unlike any other bull breed I've ever seen. Like, teach me, because I, I have no firsthand experience in a dog using its nose. Um, of course, I have all kinds of theory and principles that I would like to put to use, um, but I've, I've never done it. So I, I reached out to her. I said, listen, let, let, let's get this let's get this little cocksucker using his nose instead of sleeping in the fucking kennel and um let's get a pit bull on some nose work trials I, hey I'm, that's what uh i got my dog bear which is this guy right here um to do a p or whatever at the time igp1 track trial um by digging his nose into the floor using hot dogs so steps and digging them in and learning the routine helps out a lot. Yeah. Um, one thing, like, uh, and this is beyond that question a little bit, but one thing that I learned, um, there's a guy named Scott Tarpley over at Torchlight Canine. He's Ted Summers' business partner. Uh, amazing, amazing guy, like old Green Beret dog handler. Um, if you are tracking with your dog, and your dog is doing okay, but it's having a tough time and hard surface tracking. Uh, what he does is he puts uh, just plain rice in his cargo pockets throughout the entire day, walks around in them, sweats in them, everything like that. <laughs> and on the hard surface, he'll lay the rice as the track. And so yep. just like when your phone, you know, when it, you know, uh, like gets in water or something like that uh, absorbs that it absorbs your scent uh, so this is a problem solving technique that I thought was fucking genius um, that that's one thing that has helped me problem solve some tracking uh, with urban tracking like on on uh, asphalt Heart services yeah yeah uh, as well as I know nap water is big on this this is something that I've done as well um, like it, I mean, I have smelly feet. I'm sure you guys do just by looking at you. I don't, yeah. for sure. I don't, oh, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not a fucking nervous sweater. Yeah. So if you put, uh, like in a, in a, like a weed sprayer, uh, if you put your gym socks in a weed sprayer, put it in with distilled water, let it sink for like 24 hours, and you can basically lay your track and just spray on your laid track uh it but it has to be distilled water um i've i've had amazing success with that as well we so, well we worked with um the agency that i can't necessarily talk about but in the suit we put the the rice inside the suit and let it drain out as you run after you ran let's say 15 minutes on a treadmill you're sweating and like the hot stuff's in there so like you put the suit in and then you run away and you trickle it down nice that's another way for you guys were um, 
trying to man track. <laughs> See, I'm a guest on this show and I'm learning. Not me. I'm trying to teach people how to teach your dog not to fucking jump on them. Yeah. So don't <laughs> let your dogs jump on them. And we're running to the end of the show. But hey, um, first of all, I got to thank the man uh, who's on the show since day one, KD. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you, my part of this. Thank you. Our brother from another mother. Uh, I have not met KD in person yet, but I can't wait till the day I can have him at my home. And we can just fucking hang out. Tyler, you are now a family member to us. So you are, have the same welcoming in that sense. Uh, and I can't wait to be out there and work with you guys uh, and just do the things that we do. And I appreciate all the knowledge you guys are putting out there. That's the whole point of Drinks and Dump. Oh, I choked on that one. Drinks and Dogs. <laughs> That's the whole point of Drinks and Dogs is having a good time with good do or good dog trainers and just sharing good dog training knowledge and spreading it to the community and having some drinks so i appreciate you guys make sure you guys are following you know katie matthews the socratic society uh tyler falconer is your last name falconer falconer yeah i do like i don't know if you know that even Fal really being a falconer is one of my fucking like, <laughs> yeah hey it's it's no it, it's no mistake i'm training dogs Dude, that is my one of my goals in life. Like that is like literally like I have no idea. Like, <laughs> um, I, have you seen the motherfuckers that go out there and attack? Like, yes, yeah, let's like, do it. Let's fucking get want. fucking wasted and get some fucking eagles and can attack we, coyotes. Katie, can we go out and like just hang out and like just send some falcons with falcon air here and do the thing we gotta do? With yes. dogs? Yeah, I'm down. I mean, whatever. All right, guys. Well, hey, I appreciate you guys all. I'll be tuning in with you guys in a second. Thanks, everyone, for showing up. Drink some dogs. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.